0: All right, joining us now to talk about his editorial in the news and review from, uh, from last week is Paul Shramsky, someone well-known to listeners here at KDVS as he, eh, not so long ago, was our general manager. Welcome back to the station, Paul. Thanks,
1: Doug. Good to be here.
0: You, uh, you have uh, left the confines of, of Davis and are now out in Sacramento as the State Director of Pesticide Watch and the Pesticide Watch Education Fund. Why don't you talk a little bit about the groups?
1: Uh, I was actually able to escape, Davis. Uh, pesticide Watch and the Pesticide Watch Education Fund are a non-profit public health and environmental groups dedicated to uh, working hand-in-hand with community groups to prevent and clean up pesticide pollution across California. Uh, when polluters uh, fail to clean up their mess or when state agencies are slow to act, uh, Pesticide Watch and the Education Fund are there to assist communities to make sure the job gets done right.
0: Well, and unfortunately, uh, it appears that uh, watchdog agencies uh, like yours are needed. I, um, I want to talk about your, your editorial in News and Review. You started out in the, in the essay noting that when you were in high school chemistry, you learned how quickly experiments can go awry, and you noted that this Sacramento County is basically indulging in a bad science experiment for the Sacramento Yolo Mosquito Vector Control District. So let's talk about uh, this experiment with pesticides. Yeah,
1: the experiment is this. For the past few years, actually starting in, in uh, 1999, this disease called West Nile virus um, spread starting in New York across the rest of the country. Now, it's a disease definitely of concern. It causes, you know, a variety of reactions in people. Um, some of them can be pretty severe. Uh, now, the problem comes from how to deal with it. disease. Mosquito control districts who are tasked with actually figuring out the best ways to uh, stop the spread of the disease, the most um, effective ways to do that, um, have used a variety of options in the past few years. Uh, a lot of those have been public education outreach, uh, removing mosquitoes from uh, pools and tires and uh, bird baths, things like that, uh, as well as looking towards swamps and wetlands areas um, all across the state and country. They've also started using, or started using uh, several years ago, uh, pesticides to control aerially the uh, spread of these mosquitoes, infected mosquitoes. Now, this is where it becomes a little bit of an experiment. All these other methods, the ones I mentioned first, have been proven effective and safe. Unfortunately, these latter methods, killing uh, the adult mosquitoes um, infected with the virus aerially, has never been proven safe, uh, nor has it been proven effective. And that's been the real red flag for us.
0: Well, Paul, as a medical doctor, I can tell you and, imp- and, and augment what you're saying, uh, I go to the Emergency Medicine Conference every year, every other year up in Tahoe, put on from, by UCD's Department of Emergency Medicine, and, and they've watched in the past decade as we knew West Nile was going to get here to California. But it was going to get here, it is here, and it's just it's never going to go away at this point. I can remember as a kid going out in the backyard with oil and, and getting rid of mosquito larvae, and that, that sort of stuff's been very effective.
1: Exactly. I mean, they now call this a, um, this is probably a term you use, Doug, but it's uh, chronic endemicity. It's not one I use in everyday language, but the disease is here to stay. And so the question is, how do we uh, control it without uh, creating a, quote-unquote, solution that's more dangerous? So when we spray pesticides, we kill off those that are least resistant to the uh, actual pesticides and allow those that are most resistant to survive. Those are in the populations that are reproducing year in, year out, and we're having to use stronger forms of pesticides to then kill these mosquitoes. So it's like any sort of virus. Um, you have to use a stronger and stronger, uh, you know, injection to try and uh, prevent, you know, protect populations from the spread of whatever it is, measles, mumps, rubella.
0: Yeah, let, let's stress, too, that th- these pesticides do, are not specific for mosquitoes. They kill all insects.
1: That's exactly right. So this, is the, uh, this has been the big problem is that, you know, even the predators, the mosquitoes themselves, are being killed in the process. You know, those dragonflies, bees, you may have heard recently that there's been a big problem with uh, bees across the country. They're not reproducing. Right. The pollinators of, you know, nearly everything in our country, uh, you know, they're being killed off. All of these insects, our, our friends, uh, are being killed off in the process, and that's, um, that's been one of the big problems. They're then flowing into our waterways. So a recent studies have suggested that these uh, these pesticides are accumulating in our streams and rivers, and doing quite a bit of damage to uh, fish and other aquatic organisms that uh, you know exist in our waterways.
0: It wasn't so long ago that in China, this is push. Actually, this is about thirty years ago. But in, there was an effort in China <laughs> to get rid of uh, 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 birds. They felt they were eating up the rice crops. So, with the mobilization of the masses under under the communist Chinese regime, they they killed a lot of birds. And then afterwards, there was such an explosion. Of insect pests because the, the birds were not serving as predators, that it actually utterly defeated the purpose, and that's what I fear would happen here with killing off of beneficial insects.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. We're um, we're not looking at the full scope of what spraying does, and, and and I think that, you know, that's really how the district has handled it to date. Is that there is some information about these pesticides so far, but as with most pesticides a full majority of the product is not disclosed to the district that sprays these pesticides, to the public, to doctors like you who can then diagnose patients that may be victims of pesticide poisoning. The problem is that this information is not out there. The Environmental Protection Agency does not force these companies that manufacture these pesticides to disclose the quote-unquote inert ingredients in these pesticides. So in many cases, these make up You know, more than half of the product. In in the case with Sacramento, it's about two-thirds of the product, but most of the time it's it's around 90 or 95% of a product that doesn't have to actually be disclosed. And that, to me, is the scary part, uh, particularly when you look at the rest of the product. Uh, In our case that was sprayed, you know, about a third of it is actually a suspected carcinogen. Uh, And we don't know what the rest is, so we know that a third of it is a suspected carcinogen. We don't know about basically two-thirds of it, and less than 5% of it Is something we know about and still causes allergic reactions in tons of people. So this is the stuff we're spraying across our communities. To me, it seems logically, utterly ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I think everybody recognizes that there's certainly a place for pesticides judiciously used when when the need arises. But a lot of folks would like to see less of it in their food, less of it in their environment, such as organic farmers. And listening to Christine Kraft's show uh, last week... um, they were talking about the fact that uh, a farmer in Yolo got caught in the middle of this. He got his farm sprayed despite uh, his best efforts.:
1: That's exactly right. So a gentleman, Stephen Zion, who runs the living resources company in Citrus Heights actually, was uh, is registered his organic farm with uh, the county, uh, which means that should spraying take place, uh, a buffer has to be created to at least a thousand feet outside of the limits of his property, that is to so no direct spraying takes place, and then a drift will actually drift onto his property. Um, The district confirmed that this farm would be protected um, days before the spraying took place, and according to studies or testing that we actually did with a lab based in Woodland, the farm was fully contaminated by these aerial pesticides, which to this gentleman means that his once organic farm is no longer organic. He can't right. market it that way. He can't sell his produce as organic. He's now lost that ability.
0: He's out of business for at least a year, I guess.
1: It's For at least a year, It's not more. And the, the problem is that few people have ever done any tests to see how long these pesticides actually persist on a lot of these on this organic produce, and no regulations actually exist that would allow this to then be marketed as organic within a year's time.
0: It's a pretty sad commentary. I'm wondering, Paul, there was a big outcry a couple of years back when they sprayed, and I'm just, I'm sort of shocked to see we're back to square one.
1: Unfortunately, we are back to square one. The Sacramento Yolo Mosquito uh, Vector Control District uh, didn't really learn from the first spraying incident. Um, so when Sacramento was sprayed two years ago and Davis was sprayed a year ago, um, residents poured out in force and, and um, thought they were being listened to. They thought the district was, heard their concerns with spray and, you know, very small amounts would look for, you know, every possible option first, approaching things from the ground, looking for these uh, non-toxic, effective solutions. Uh, Unfortunately, we were proven wrong. We weren't listened to. Basically, within a few weeks' time this year, the district decided a few cases of unconfirmed West Nile virus in the county, and they were already willing to spray uh, 55,000 acres. 375,000
0: people. And the worst thing about this for me, Paul, is that you know it is endemic. It's not going to go away. A lot of us are going to get West Nile. And when we do, we're going to have a viral syndrome. We're going to be under the weather for a day or two. And we're not going to get all that ill. A few people have gotten very ill. They've gotten headline news about them and stories about them. And a certain percentage of people are going to get very sick. But that's not the usual case. and, And that really sort of shows that this isn't really the massive health threat that some make it out to be.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the way that West Ham has been portrayed so far is that it's these really severe cases where someone basically loses all motor function, they're held up uh, in a hospital bed. The media does a really good job of capturing these stories. And you know we should definitely note that those are serious cases and these people should be well taken care of. The problem arises when a lot of these other more serious public health crises out there uh, the rate, rates of cancer, colon cancer, uh, you know, these very serious problems in our state are not the sources of those problems as are not being addressed. And West Nile virus, which tons, literally tons of people are getting every year, uh, mostly getting a headache or, you know, feeling a little feverish for a day, this disease is getting spotlight attention, and we're not focusing on the sources of these cancers, which, you know, as we look at more and more research, pointing to the buildup of uh, toxic chemicals in our bodies. These body burden studies are pointing to more and more that pesticides and toxic chemicals are creating these cancers in our bodies.
0: Valid concern. Paul, anybody here in the Sacramento area that, uh, that's, that's been sort of doing the right thing?
1: Well, I think we'd have to give, um, give props to Councilman Rob Fong. I think uh, Councilman Fong has gone out of his way to ask the right questions, to really push the district uh, to explain themselves. Uh, to call on the Sacramento public health officers to explain why it's okay to spray pesticides over entire communities as a means of controlling another public health concern. So Councilman Fong definitely deserves credit there, uh, as well as Councilman Trethaway who's beginning to conduct um, some better outreach to communities across uh, our two counties, Yolo and Sacramento.
0: Good deal. And while we're talking about a Paul, we should stress I was visiting a friend of mine over in the uh, Land Park area. I noticed they had a fountain in their yard, and it was full of mosquito larvae. So a little bit of oil on top of the water and some non-toxic things can do a lot of good.
1: That's right. Uh, if only they would employ you, Doug, and uh, <laughs> send you out, I think we'd be in a lot better shape.
0: <laughs> Take a minute to give some recommendations of what you maybe we'll do, because I mean, obviously mis- controlling mosquitoes is desirable. How can you do it safely?
1: Well, the best way is to control mosquitoes, um, from our perspective... The district's got a wide range of biological solutions. We, as uh, as your average people, uh, can do a lot of things to protect ourselves. Dawn and dusk wearing long sleeves, uh, putting on um, different mosquito repellents like uh, eucalyptus-based foils, um, avoiding DEET, in my opinion, for a variety of reasons.
0: That surprises me to hear that. Why are you you down on DEET?
1: Well, uh, DEET is, again, one of these um, chemicals that in, you know, higher quantities has been linked to a variety of cancers. And I think that more and more research will show some of the dangers of um, DEET as a mosquito repellent, whereas natural oils, botanicals like eucalyptus and others have shown to be plenty of effective without causing um, some of those more severe reactions.
0: Fair enough. My final question today is, do you think do you think they're listening? Are they going to keep spraying or are they got the message this time?
1: I think they're getting the message this time, but it's going to take more of us hammering it home. I think more phone calls to the district, to our city council members and state legislators, and they'll get that message and look for safer, more effective mosquito control.
0: Well, here, here. Why don't you come back in a few weeks and let us know how things are being updated.
1: Sounds good, Doug. I'll be back.
0: All right. That was Paul Shramsky. He's currently the state director of Pesticide Watch and the Pesticide Watch Education Fund. He's also a former general manager here at KDVS. All right. And in other environmental news, we'd like to note uh, that here on the program, we're going to have uh, starting now a regular environmental correspondent who will also simultaneously be serving as our liaison to the Sacramento News and Review. She's uh, been with them not very long and has been with us even a shorter period of time. But we'd like to say at this point, welcome to Radio Parallax, Jennifer Davidson.
2: Thanks, Doug.
0: Jennifer, you've been with the News Review not that long, but you've uh, written quite a few pieces already. What co- sort of things have you been covering?
2: Well, we've been covering um, everything that the modern-day environmentalist cares about. We have talked about solar cooking in third-world countries. One of our own local Sac State professors is um, driving an organization, Solar Cookers International, that um, is changing uh, lives in developing countries with solar cooking. We have talked about wildlife and their environment, as well as a day at the dump, and how our own kefir landfill is actually quite an ecological resource.
0: In my last trip to the dump, I had not given thought to that, so you've already added a new perspective to my thinking.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's an incredible story. We, we should do that sometime.
0: Well, I, by all means, come back and we will do that story. I know we don't have anything lined up for our listeners today, but I'm quite confident in the weeks to come that uh, we'll do a number of things, perhaps even maybe starting with some commentary about these, uh, these failed experiments, as Paul Shramsky put it, uh, of pesticide spraying. That's a topic I'm sure of interest to a lot of people. We could definitely do that. And Jennifer, you've got some, uh, some, some stories in the pipeline maybe you can bring to us as well? Oh,
2: I do. There's always exciting things going on. One of my favorite things that I am learning about lately is the new biorock technology. And this is actually rebuilding coral reefs by passing an electrical current through the seawater, which causes this calcium carbonate, stuff the shells are made out of, to form along these electrodes that have been architecturally designed in the shape of a natural reef. And... The coral is actually appearing to thrive in the engineered reefs better than they do in natural reefs. And, well, it allows them to direct their energy towards growth and reproduction rather than protection. So they're flourishing even better than the real thing.
0: I did not know anything about this story. And, Jennifer, that is most assuredly exactly the kind of thing we look forward to hearing about.
2: Awesome.
0: Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on and just introducing yourselves. And by the way, your background is from CSUS.
2: Oh, yes, I'm a Hornet grad.
0: And what, and what was your major?
2: Oh, my, I've got a bachelor's degree in biological sciences. I thought I was going to be the next James Harriet mucking through three feet of mud in the middle of a storm to save a cow. But um, <laughs> I'm still young, so maybe that'll happen.
0: As long as you're with Radio Parallax, don't rule out that, uh, that mucking angle too quickly. <laughs> well, Jennifer, thanks again. I know we're not going to set you on a schedule here. If you come back next week, fine, if it's the week after that, but you will be back soon.
2: I will. Thanks so much, and I appreciate the warm welcome, and I'll see you soon.
0: All righty.